Happy 2019, John. 19. Big one nine. Big one nine. Happy New Year, man. Welcome to a... Oh, wait. Sorry. Happy New Year. God, you jerk. Come on, man. Yeah, sorry, dude. Come on, man. I'm excited. I know. We haven't had an episode. I know. In, we're, we're, we're back. What, we're back weeks? on the... Yeah, it's been three weeks. We three took weeks. a little hiatus for the holidays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I hope you had a fantastic holiday season. I did. How about you? I, it was lovely. Um, lots you, of... Uh, all, cr- all, the, all the food? All the food. Um, got myself gorded uh, for about three days straight on food. Um, got some cool little toys uh, some musical toys for Christmas and, uh, played some shows and, um, celebrated the new year. Um, it's my wife's birthday. Her birthday's on the 31st. Oh, so wow. we had a nice little, uh, we went ice skating and, you know, um, did that, that whole thing. Nice. So, um, it was, it was really lovely. What about you, my friend? Um, so my wife and I, a year ago, so it's a, our one year anniversary just came up. We got married on December twenty seventh. Yes, two days after Christmas. You yes. remember this? I was there. You were there. Um, so we decided instead of doing gifts for each other that we would do just like a big anniversary thing, oh, that's which will great. probably be the thing that happens like year over year. Right, now. right. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. That's so cool. a lot of food and a lot of gifts, and we've got just the one seven year old daughter, so she gets ridiculously spoiled. Yes, the spoils. Santa Claus comes to town. Yes, he came. He saw. He conquered. Yes, he did. Very cool. Well, guys, we have a uh, a very special uh, episode today. We have an interview with a guy sitting to my right, Mr. Shannon Corey. Shannon Corey is in the house. Uh, Shannon Corey is a dear friend of mine I have known since... Probably 2005, I would I would say, Shannon. We've uh, we've uh, been uh, we've been buds and been playing in musical uh, endeavors together. Um, Shannon um, was in the big corporate band. That was my first big gig that I was in when I got out of music school. Yeah, if you guys so, have been paying attention, John's talked about I've, this corporate I've, band I've a lot. I've thrown Shannon's name out uh, mm-hmm. quite a few times over our uh, podcasts. Um, doing our topic of uh, learning from school versus learning on the street. Uh, we interviewed my buddy Miles uh, last episode, obviously he being a guitar player. Uh, now we wanted to cover the drum side of the spectrum to get um, some perspective from Shannon, who is a, in my opinion, a world-class drummer, uh, has a wealth of knowledge um, to, uh, to dispose upon the musical community. And uh, just want to uh, really kind of get into his head and pick his brain on some of the same questions that we asked Miles as far as our topic of discussion. Perfect. So, Shannon, what do you think? You excited? First of all, good morning, fellas. Good, good morning. morning. Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New Year. Year Thank you for having me. Yes. Honored to be here. Yeah, so, man, you and I go way back. Way back, sir. Way back. Yes. Played in quite a few different projects together. Yep. We did the Twisted Hip thing. Yeah, we did, did the, the Joe Hall. Did the Joe Hall thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're playing a church together now. We are. Uh, Gateway Church in Swanee. Yeah. Chris, it's nice, nice to finally meet you. You as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I've heard so much about you. Yes, we are uh, just, uh, everybody's in the circle of trust today. We've, uh, <laughs> we've already uh, got, got all that out of the way. Um, you know, the, the main kind of point that we're trying to, or not really point, or the perspectives, I should say, that we're trying to, to paint here is that there's just more than one way to skin a cat, basically. Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, as far as going to school, learning uh, a curriculum-based, school-based thing is great. Um, Versus, like, the real-time experience. Right. Um, you know, obviously, you know, for me personally, um, nothing is going to replace being on the bandstand. Totally agree with that. You know, uh, 
but you got to have some fundamentals, right? Absolutely. You know, if it's, you got to speak the language, you got to be able to speak the language. Exactly. It's like, if you're going into a foreign country, you know, and if you're going to be living there and you're going to Portugal, <laughs> you, you better give yourself a fair shake. For right. Sure. You know, you might, you might want to learn how to say, uh, where's the bathroom, <laughs> yeah. right? Where's so, the grocery store? Where's the grocery <laughs> store? So I think right. that, I think that, you know, a little bit of, 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 of schooling, if you will, um, is beneficial, but it shouldn't be like where you hang your hat, I guess. Yeah. I, I don't think you can have just one. You've got to really, you know, open your envelope, if you will, and have mm -hmm. both sides because it's one thing to learn the vocabulary. Like for us as drummers, mm -hmm. learn your rudiments, mm -hmm. learn your patterns, mm -hmm. learn how to play with a click. Mm -hmm. Right. But at the end of the day, none of that matters if you can't groove with a band. Amen. Totally. Play with players. Yeah. Totally. Or like for Chris and I talking earlier, just a different bass player from mm. gig to gig and how their feel based right. on where we're putting our feel, learning how to mesh with that or mm -hmm. adjust. Mm -hmm. So all those things, I really think you don't learn that till you start playing with people. Yeah, I agree. And that's something that we had talked about in a previous episode. You know, when you're a gun for hire, mm -hmm. you know, you're showing up to the gig, you know, you're going to prepare yourself, mm -hmm. but the other guys... You just got to cross your fingers. You got to, it's yeah. a roll of the dice. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're hoping and wishing that they're as professional as you are, as far as learning material, putting the time in sure. and stuff like that. Sure. So be prepared. yeah, that, 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 that's, there's something to be said for that. Um, so I guess, and that's part of where the schooling comes in is right. if, if, okay, you get a gig, mm -hmm. learn the tunes mm -hmm. verbatim, right. however they send them out, right. Be prepared, mm -hmm. be ready to make adjustments on the fly based mm -hmm. on, band leader or the mm -hmm. singer or, mm -hmm. you know because you guys can attest this everybody has a slightly different feel mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. a song mm -hmm. can be like something that came up on a gig this weekend was tempos yeah my attitude with tempos and we'll jump into the school thing real quick mm -hmm. if you start a song and you've already gotten into a verse that's where it's at i'm not moving mm -hmm. right that's where it is because mm -hmm. to me the attitude is if all of a sudden the band decides to speed up or slow down the band sounds really mm, garage band, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. So my totally attitude, agree. and I frustrated a singer, but I'm like, I'm not it is, it is what it is. Yeah. Even if it's slow, it's okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, you know, in the yeah. moment, it's, yeah. it's, it's live. Be and that's right. the fun. You yeah. know, totally right. agree. Totally agree. Side totally. note, sorry. No, <laughs> that's okay. No, <laughs> that's wait, you know, and that's uh, when we get further. But it's down those down little things that yeah, just a little part of the vocabulary of you know, educating yourself over the years of playing. Totally. So, so I guess. I'll, I'll start off um, the interview by just asking you, so tell us about Shannon Corey. Like, okay. where, where did it start? Like, how long have you been playing? Just give us the give us the. So something uh, we were talking bio. about before we got yeah. went live was, you know, what was the thing that made you decide to do this? Yes. All right, so my first experience with, like, the wow factor, mm -hmm. I was seven years old. Mm -hmm. Dad drives us up to Atlanta to the Fox. Mm -hmm. My first show is the police. Oh my God. On mm. their second U.S. tour. Right. And you're t it, done. That was it. I was like, I want to do that. Yeah. Wow. You know, Stuart yeah. Copeland mm -hmm. and all his glory. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. you know, that was, to me, that's what I grew up on. That's one of the best trios. So from seven, I was like, I want to do this. Right. Um, for me professionally, I think my first gig might have been, I don't know, 17 or 18. Mm hmm. 
you know, that first time you get, oh, we'll give you $20 to play with us. I'm like, there. Sweet. I'm there. <laughs> I'm going to be rich. Yes. I mean, I can, <laughs> it's I can the make, greatest I decision ever. Money, yeah. you know? That's awesome. And then so later we move. Uh, let's see. We moved to Atlanta in 88. I'm mm-hmm. 16 in high school. Start, you know, I did the band thing, jazz mm-hmm. band, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff in school. Um, so there, there's your early schooling, if you will. Okay. Went to Georgia State. Mm-hmm. I actually studied music business as well as taking lessons with the formidable Jack Bell and yes. Sonny. Mm-hmm. And Sonny smart smart move. Yeah, Sonny Emery, wow. Yeah. And then the cool thing about Atlanta was, as far as lessons in the school side, there were so many amazing drummers in this town. Yeah, back in that late 80s, man, yeah. for sure. Chip Lunsford. Yep. Marcus Williams. Mm-hmm. I befriended a gentleman named Tom Knight. Who is still one of my? Who's that guy? Who's that yeah, guy? He's, <laughs> whew, that boy's a bad boy. Yeah, but Tom's one of my dearest friends. Yeah. and and even today, I'm still will watch something of his and just be like, I got a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. 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 But it's a a very cool scene where there's a lot of great players. So there, from there, you know, in the '90s, had a funk band called New Reality. You know, we thought we were going to be the next. This is pre Living Color kind mm-hmm. of thing. You mm-hmm. know? Wow, that's um, cool. And then from there, I got into the more of the jazz fusion thing. I toured with Pruitt and Davis for a long time. Mm-hmm. And in that band, it was myself and Adam Nitty mm-hmm. were the rhythm section. Yeah. So you bass players out there, if you yeah, don't if you know don't, who it, Adam is. And, and we'll, we'll, put a, we'll put a link up in our, uh, He'd be in our show notes too. Uh, for all of you guys to check out. If you don't know who Adam Nitty is, uh, do yourself a favor and go and check him out. Um, even if you're not a bassist per se the musicians that he has in his band are world-class players yeah, absolutely yeah. so digress i'm no, sorry so, oh, okay. so i'll you know i'll do the so thing you, real quickly yeah. so, so you and adam were in the adam in the and band we, yeah we were in the pruitt and davis kind of mm-hmm. a, it was acoustic jazz fusion if you will mm-hmm. so if you got you guys know of a band called acoustic alchemy i do mm-hmm. okay so it's kind of that kind of vibe from there i went mm-hmm. on to play with colonel bruce mm-hmm. and the fiji mariners for a long time mm-hmm. So, long story short, I've done a lot of touring. Mm-hmm. I've done the corporate band thing. You and I have done the corporate thing. Yes. We've played with our brother Joe Hall for yes. a while. Yes. Um, I'm currently in another corporate band, and I do a lot of recording work in town. And then I've got a studio at the house, so mm-hmm. I can do tracks. You know, the great thing about the digital age is that you can... Do it right there. Do the tracks at, at home, the email mm-hmm. them out, mm-hmm. good to go. Yeah. So that's a short synopsis don't, of me. You don't have to travel much anymore. No, it's um, nice. Yeah, you, you, know, you don't have to have to incorporate all this, you know, go to somebody's house and track something, and you come to my house and track exactly. something. Now, I, I will say on that note, I do miss having everybody in a room. Yeah, the interaction. You know, when I grew mm-hmm. up, the band played a lot. I mean, show my age a little bit. Grew up before click tracks. Yes. Oh, yeah. So it was before Melodyne. Yes. <laughs> Auto tune. It's like okay, you can either sing and play or not. Right, right. But you know, so yeah, things have changed over things time. Things have changed a lot. Yeah. Well, so yeah. that was a condensed version for sure. Um, other than you know, my curiosity is other than seeing the police. Like you know, as you start to play, was there like a switch where you're like, I definitely want to go to school for this. I definitely want to make this a career. Like, yeah. So after, so the police is probably my first, you know, like, okay, this is the band. And then I really got into Chick Corea. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, later, then you get into Dave Weckl. Right. It's just like an onion. You're yeah. Still then you, back. you know, then you get into the yellow jackets mm-hmm. and then, you know, and then, so you get in the jazz world mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, Yep. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. So then it's a journey. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. in in 
so I went to Shallow High School when it was a brand new high school when I moved mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. And we had some really talented people that have actually gone on to do some really great things. Mm -hmm. Like John Conley, who was a drummer at the time, mm. is the guitar player in Seven, Seven Dust, yes, which has right. been, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, they've of, done pretty well. <laughs> yeah, they are not a slouchy band mm -hmm. by any means. No. So, and conversely with that, so their singer, LaShawn, mm -hmm. was in a band back in the day called Body and Soul. Mm -hmm. With Lee Banks was the guitar player. Mm -hmm. Well, Lee has a twin named Chris Banks. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These are two of the most amazing players in town. Yeah, they're they from, went to yeah, AIM as yes, well. fellow AIM brethren. So the circle starts, it's a small circle, right. but you start networking and... It yeah. goes from there. See episode. Yeah, I think it's episode two. Episode two. Episode two. Networking. Ep episode yeah. two or yeah. three. Networking. Yeah. Check it out. Check it's it. super important. Take a drink. <laughs> so Shannon, the other thing that I really, for me, um, being a master observationalist, um, when you're getting on your first gigs, when you're first starting out in your teenage years, like what were some of the things that you noticed about your playing that um, maybe you wanted to work on like what what were some things that really kind of steered you in a direction uh you know maybe uh to, to help define your voice on your sure, instrument sure that's a good question um you know when you so when you're younger and you're practicing at home if you will with mm -hmm. cds or back then records records you know, yeah um you know it's one thing to play along with something but when you get with real people and there's a slight shift in a feel or mm. an approach or even a mm -hmm. sound, mm. you know, sure. if somebody's tone, guitar tone isn't quite what you're used to listening to, or you, you learn to adapt. I, th right. I think the biggest thing, especially for drummers is mm. learning how to play time with other people mm. and, and develop your sense of time and mm -hmm. not necessarily be dragged this way or that way, sure. depending on, you know, if a, like if you feel like a bass player is dragging and mm -hmm. the guitar player is rushing, trying to stay in the middle and right. keep everybody mm -hmm. together and be right. that glue. Follow so, me. So the bit, follow me. Follow exactly. me. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. if nobody's leading, you know, it feels yeah. like a roller coaster more right. than. It's you funny know, you bring that up because I, I was just thinking about like John and I are playing together tonight. Yes, and, we are. Uh, we, you know, instantly when you said that, I thought about like that's not something I think about now on a gig. Right. I really, I really take that for granted. I yeah, think right. because mm -hmm. you know you develop that to a point to where it's like you guys follow me. You know, obviously you're listening to the band and but and at this seeing, point we're at a point where you you you're being hired now because you right. bring a certain set right. of skills. You're rock solid in in that department exactly. Right. So they trust you to be that. Right, you know, and I, I think about it as more, more of like a, an authoritative type thing. Like, sure. you know, conviction. This is, this is what I do, right? Playing with conviction. John talked about, you know, we just play with conviction, and you'd be surprised how that ripples out through the band. You Absolutely. know, everybody else will just stand up a little straighter, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. If you play with confidence and mean it, the intent comes across so much better. And that's one thing when I first, uh, when Shannon and I first started playing in the corporate band, uh, when I first got out of school, um, one of the first things that really was apparent to me was Shannon's conviction on his instrument. Mm. It didn't matter if we were playing boogie, oogie, oogie mm. or play that funky music. It was the same intent and the same focus every song. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dang, man, I don't even know what the hell this chord is coming up now. <laughs> what the hell is this guy doing over here? Well, thank so, you, brother. So... But, but so I, I, to kind of uh, segue into my next question, um, you describing all the caliber of players 
in your networking circle at the time, how important is it to be on stage with cats who are your peers or better than you or your equal? Oh, you it's know, huge. You know, it's huge. Maybe, maybe, maybe expand upon how that kind of it, developed if, your playing. And I think your goal should always be to be the worst player in the band. Oh, God. Yeah. So it. that you can grow mm, with amen. the better players that are in there. Because if yep. it's, it will challenge you to constantly mm. push yourself to stay focused and be at that level. Whereas yeah. if you just go into this mentality of, Oh, I've learned my stuff. I got, I got my bag. I'm good. I'm good. Right. right. And there's, mm-hmm. there's some 12 year old kid around the corner. I'll whoop your ass. I'm yep. ready and to it, go. Yep. You know, ready to go. Make you sound like you're tired. Yeah. 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 You know, so totally. like talking about the conviction, man, you got to mean it mm-hmm. and you can't get better if you don't play with better people. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I've mentioned this, um, previous podcast episode how instrumental and paramount it was in my playing career to have landed that corporate gig because you know we got you in the band we got this guy named dave Mannion who plays keyboard in some band called kansas now who was yeah, playing keyboard amazing. never heard of him. you know um you know world-class singers mm-hmm. you know uh, the bass player and i we went to aim together and he was a monster player um, so it's just like I have to bring my A game. But the one thing that I noticed about every single player was their conviction on their instrument. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And whether or not they were playing the right thing, it's irrelevant. It was the conviction and the intent behind what they were playing that was so apparent to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, is something that players should strive to be um around or people that are you know better players than them you know you're being around your peers and and i would also say conversely on on a side note on that topic is now that i'm a little bit older in the game Mm -hmm. a little more seasoned Mm -hmm. if you will it's also fun to pay that forward to the younger kids that totally are greener teach them up right coach them up man coach them up help them right because somebody along the line helped you Amen. Like one of the biggest things I learned <clears throat> coming up, I toured with a blues band, a gentleman named the Sauce Boss out of Tallahassee, Florida. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things I learned out of a gig like that, because I'd never done like a true blues gig before. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you go out with older, seasoned, mm-hmm. gen- you know, they're 20 years your senior, mm-hmm. they got a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, blues in there. You yes. know what I'm saying? They're right. road dogs, if right. you will. Right. Was just like the, you know, the keyboard player taught me how to like really lay into that. Mm-hmm. Two four in a blues setting, which is a mm-hmm. totally different vibe than a pop two and four. Mm-hmm. So these little idiosyncrasies you only learn yeah. playing with people. Playing with people, yeah, right. yeah. And I think that's what John and I are trying to uh, achieve by you know these first two interviews is mm-hmm. trying to to show the difference in what schooling will do for you as a player versus what real world application mm-hmm. does. And of course, right. like you say, both are both are needed. But I, I wonder sometimes if you had to only have one, like you, you would definitely go the, the play bandstand right. route. And, and to kind of recap on some of uh, Miles' stuff, um, so Miles, you know Miles. Absolutely. My, Shannon Miles is, actually used to sub for you on the corporate gig. So exactly. It's a, so small world. The circle is small. Uh, um, yeah. Hello, see, Miles. See uh, episode three networking <laughs> or episode two. Uh, but so Miles did Berkeley, he did AIM, and, you know, we asked him, you know, was it worth it? And he was, you know, he had, he had already made up his mind before he went to school that that was what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the common thread between whether you go to school or not is, is that, that light switch going off Mm -hmm. of whether it be, 
at the police concert or for him, you know, just jamming with his buddies around high school and mm-hmm. his, his family members were all musicians. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of in his blood. Um, so once you kind of figured out, like, this is what I wanted, I want to do this as a career. Like, what did you do at that particular time to kind of, um, you know, tighten up your, your chops, um, you know, kind of tighten up your craft, if you will. The biggest thing um, I did was really get into the kids call it the woodshed now, but yeah, the back woodshed. then you would call it your practice room. Practice room. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, that's where um, you practice. You guys. get in your practice room, but I would never say no to a gig, mm. whether mm. no matter the genre, mm. because mm-hmm. the only way to learn, like one thing I th- knock on wood that has kept me busy all these years mm-hmm. is that the versatility of being able to play multiple styles right. as opposed to, I want to be a rock guy right? or yeah. I'm going to be a jazz guy. Yeah. I fell well, into that limit, trap. Guilty you limit that, you know, window, yeah. boy, it's a much smaller percentage of gigs you're going to get. Yep. That's, 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 that's. And huge. then the landscape of, you're right. you know, the music scene changes and, mm-hmm. you know, one week there's rock clubs, the next week Mexican restaurants are the only gigs in town. I right. mean, it, so it, it's mm-hmm. constantly changing. But right. I think the biggest thing is to, yes, practice, but man, the school of hard knocks, if you will, playing mm-hmm. with bands, mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. and take a gig that you may not be comfortable with, even right. if you don't kill it in the sense of the, the it's the best gig ever. Right. The experience and what you're going to learn from that right. is invaluable to your vocabulary yeah. down the road. Definitely. Right. Yep. So of all the gigs you've played, uh, which one would you say you've learned the most from? Ooh, that's a great question. Mm, that is a good question. Pro- honestly, probably I, I would say two gigs. The okay. Bruton Davis situation, mm-hmm. because these guys were world-class players, mm-hmm. and I really had to quickly get up to speed right, mm-hmm. and not drag everybody else down, mm-hmm. because I was the weakest link. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so for me, that one, and then the opportunity to play with Colonel Bruce, which is, again, he's known for having amazing players. But the cool thing about Bruce was somehow he would just pull the best out of you with these crazy antics Mm -hmm. and you weren't at the time you thought it was goofy or silly but later on you're like he was tapping into something i get it now that's pretty cool so probably those two situations would be the most the most learning yes yeah influential for me i think you know what you said about you know putting yourself out there and not saying no to any gig you know I, i can it totally resonates with me because I remember when I was younger, I would take any gig. If it was yeah. a weekend gig, if it was yeah. a bar gig. And for a while I played in a gospel church mm-hmm. and I was the only white guy in the right church. On. And, and starting that out, like the pastor heard me play at the music store and he's like, Hey man, you need to come play for my church. That's awesome. I took it as a joke, but it was not a joke. <laughs> and so what it ends up happening is I knew a bass player that was playing there. A guy named Greg. Um, and he comes in and he's like, Hey, that, that pastor's serious about you playing for the church. And he's like, you need to come, come through and just try it. Sure. You know? So first Sunday I'm sitting up there and, you know, and it's, I'm, it's super obvious, you know, I'm the, I'm the only white <laughs> your guy. Heart's heart's pounding yeah. out of your chest. Yeah. <laughs> but I stayed with the church for a year, That's but awesome. man, the first two or three months I was, it was Deer hard, it was hard, but yeah. I learned a lot. I feel like sometimes when I think back, if I had someone asked me that question, my, my answer would be that gospel gig Absolutely. It taught me a lot because those guys are so, um, you know, in the moment, you right. know, like nothing's really planned out. It feels like, you know, you just have to kind of go with it. So jamming like that's really cool. Yeah. And, and to kind of piggyback off that as well. I mean, I did the same thing when I got out of school towards the end of my schooling. I just got 
immersed into jazz like because i'd never sure you know it was miles and coltrane before that. that's it that's all i knew well and it was yeah. a big genre they're yeah. pushing at school too. exactly so so i'm i'm, I'm, I'm discovering all of this new music um i'm also discovering that there's a lot of guitar jazz players you know your george benson's your pat Metheny's, your right. schofields etc so i'm just like getting blown away by all this stuff so when i got out of school my first steady gig other than the corporate band that I got, was the um, was a jazz trio gig at a little bar in Athens. Hmm. And before then, if you would have asked me to play a jazz gig, I probably would have laughed in your face. <laughs> I'm like, do you know who I am? I don't do jazz, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm not the jazz dude. Mm-hmm. So when I got familiar with jazz, I really wanted to um, up my game at it. So I knew that I should probably start taking some jazz gigs. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, um, uh, had a, a friend of mine who bought a bar in downtown Athens and he was looking for some, a jazz band to play on Tuesday and Thursday nights. Mm. And so I almost didn't do it because I was like, I'm not a jazz guy, but I really want to start playing this stuff. Mm. And I took it and it was the, a year later, got the corporate band gig, probably wouldn't have been able to get that corporate band gig because that, that taking that gig and, 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 and solidifying those those chops and that craft a little bit transferred over into my other uh, other genres. Sure, and, it prepares and you for something prepare, else it, you don't even realize it's happening. Right, and so I guess that's that's you know to kind of you know mesh this question into into that is you know what what kind of prepared you other than just playing? I mean, like, were you getting private? Listen to this crap, John. You put are. it on vibrate. Man. We're not editing this out. I'm going to let you be embarrassed. Okay, please do. That's Bush League. Bush League. We call that a rookie move. That's a rookie move. <laughs> anyway, sorry, that was my phone. Um, so you, you're playing with all these high-caliber players. Like, when you're going home to practice, like, did you seek out, like, any one-on-one instruction? Or is this stuff you were just shedding? Because there was no YouTube. Correct. Right? Right. That's a good point. So, yeah. like, what – resources were you using to in your woodshed time like like what were you physically using to practice you know that's a great question so one thing one of the things that worked for me is i started asking questions Mm. to all these better players Mm. what are you into what do you listen to what helped you get to where you are so that i can go listen to that right kind of reverse engineer it right like so you all of a sudden let's see a band like the Dixie Dregs were mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so after I'll back step here a little bit. So after Adam left mm-hmm. Pruitt and Davis, Jerry Peake comes in on mm-hmm. bass mm-hmm. who played on the Steve Morris yeah, he introduction the, record, yeah. his mm-hmm. first solo record. Mm-hmm. So here again, another bass player with even more experience. Mm-hmm. Wow. So when you start, so when, to answer your question, asking other people mm-hmm. what they're into, mm-hmm. especially if they're a better player than mm-hmm. you, you can learn a lot of knowledge and then you go do the research on that stuff. Right. And, and that helped flesh me it out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So that helped me a lot learning stuff that I, stuff I wasn't hip to at all. Right. You know, it's like, right. I got a lot to learn, you a lot know, to learn. But something that we've kind of asked each other and I think we touched on it with miles too. And I'd like to get your opinion is, you know, something that John brought up about YouTube and you know, we all came up when there was no YouTube, right. you know, like we, we had to dig into books and VHS Absolutely. tapes and it, right. Cause you know, the VHS was just starting to happen. Yeah. You know? So 
this is just my 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 hypothesis is sure. that because YouTube is such a great resource, do you feel like YouTube also is too much information where you can't really focus on one thing that you really care about because YouTube is made where we can ADD, we can bounce around. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's too much information and too much bad information mm -hmm. because especially for drummers, there's a lot of amazing players in the world right now and a lot of guys have put up all this content, but they're not really teaching anything. Mm -hmm. So... I've seen some amazing guys that have no idea where their one is. Right. They can play all the stuff, but they're clueless. Or then you put them in a band, and it's like, oh, yep. this is why you're a YouTube star. Uh, yes, yep. exactly. So yep. I, I think it's a it, it's a wonderful thing, but it it it. I think you can't overestimate the value of getting with a teacher. Yeah. Find a local guy or mm -hmm. whatever your local drum hero mm -hmm. is. Go spend some time with that guy mm -hmm. and see if you're doing it right. Right. Or if you're hearing it the way you think it's coming mm -hmm. across. Right. You know? Right. It's like yeah. the old Dave Weckl thing on the old VHS tapes. Yeah. He would talk about record yourself on a cassette. Because mm -hmm. when, you know, you can sit there in your rehearsal room all day and mm -hmm. think you sound amazing. Mm -hmm. And then you hear it back and you're like, wow, that didn't quite sit in the yeah. pocket sure. like I thought it did. Sure. Or, that field didn't quite come out where I was hoping, right? You know, yeah. so yes, YouTube can be great, but it's just turned into such a, like, a yeah, like a, yeah, yeah. It's just an opinion platform. Yes, if, yes. If you if you take it just at a high level, yeah. right? You know I mean, like you really got to drill down, right? Yeah, YouTube is almost a a plethora of analysts, yeah. if you will. They're they're giving you their opinion on something, mm -hmm. not necessarily a uh, uh the gospel if you will it's right. just their their opinion which right. there's some good opinions out there right. but you have to take some of it with a grain of salt um the the other thing for me that i've experienced throughout the years um that i think is super important take a drink are a drummer's uh, is i know are is the drummer's ability to have a good tone on their drums mm -hmm. tuning their drums very right? important right. Uh, super important, Shannon. Super important. Not very important. Not very. Super. Um, <laughs> take a drink. Take a drink twice because I said it twice. Oh, my God. Um, what I think is um, an art form, if you will, is being able to tune your kit. Um, so I guess my question to you is, is how important to you is, I'm, I'm sure it's very important, but super important, um, like, Tuning your your drums. How did you develop a a knowledge of okay, this is how I need to tune my drums. Is there a, is there like a standard that you that you that that you kind of have to to get to? Um, maybe you can I explain exactly how you you do that. Sure, that's a that's a great question. And yes, tuning is hugely important. And and for me, early on was just actually sitting down with a tom mm -hmm. and and turning a tension rod up or down to see what it does. I mean, it, I equate it to like, if you're a guitar player or a bass player, you can't show up to the gig and not be able to tune your instrument. Exactly. So your drum set and the way it sounds and the way it's tuned, that's becomes your voice as a drummer. Mm -hmm. If you show up and have duct tape all over the drum heads, well, it's going to sound like cardboard. Yeah. It's going to sound terrible. You know, and then going to the VHS, you know, Weckl comes out and his drums sound amazing. And it's like, oh, how do you do that? Yeah. And you start experimenting with, okay, if I tune the bottom head tighter, I'm going to get a little more tone. If I mm -hmm. tune it 
a little more loose. Mm-hmm. It's going to mm-hmm. be less of a pitch. Mm-hmm. And those little nuances you start to learn over time. Yeah, right. yeah, because right. I, I but, think that that's that's um, um, it just kind of it's something that you learn over time. Basically, that, absolutely. You know? And then and also you know every drum set has a different sound or. or Every drum has a sweet spot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and that just comes with time. Especially snare with, drums. Absolutely. Snare drums, gosh, I mean, you could sometimes, I, I, you know, when I don't always have my kit with me. Sure, you know, like sure. sometimes you'll play these gigs where you don't have your kit, right. and sometimes you'll feel like it's perfect right here. But if one of those lugs were to detune, oh. it's it's all gone. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, another area where tuning comes into play is when you get into recording. Mm-hmm. It, you may think it sounds like a million dollars on your side, but then you hear it on the from the microphone perspective. It's like, oh, that's a little harsh. Yeah, right. especially with a yeah. snare drum. Especially with you a snare drum. You can have it yeah. too cranked, you know, and a little. So those little subtleties. And I've had a lot of engineers, even in a live situation, you know, front of house guy. Like I've got the drum tuned; it sounds good. And I'm I'm a foot away from it, and the guy out front's like, "Hey, could you turn tune that down a little bit, or sure. could you loosen the snares because it's just not I'm not really feeling it relax in the mix, you right. know?" So, you know, listen to other people too. Like trust those guys. The, mm-hmm. the biggest thing is if, if the kit sounds good to you from your perspective, generally it's going to translate that way out front. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the old uh, sound engineer added: if it sounds good, it is good. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. So, uh, Shannon, let's segue a little bit to gear. I know that you have a, an awesome affiliation with an awesome uh, drum company named Trick. Yes. Um, so tell me a little bit about not only the company, but how you got started with them. Okay. So for me as an endorser, um, this is actually year 21 for me as an artist. Wow. So I've been very fortunate with that. Um, Mike Dorfman, who is the CEO of Trick Percussion Products and everything that they make, wonderful guy. He took me in early on. Uh-huh. So to backtrack a little bit I was with Colonel Bruce and the Fiji Mariners mm-hmm. um, at the time I had met Mike at it may have been a summer NAM show here in Atlanta when they still did they would move the summer show around mm-hmm. um, at that time he was making snare drums Okay, and I thought man these drums sound really great and he was like yeah I'm about to unleash a drum set mm. I'm like oh that'd be cool because mm-hmm. all they do is aluminum Right. So the shells are aluminum. It's a very warm sound. It's bright and warm. That's cool. So it's a, and the greatest thing about the aluminum shells is there's no moisture issues. Mm-hmm. So whether you're bussing it, mm-hmm. your gear's in a trailer, you're doing fly dates. That's a good point. You pull yeah. them out of the case, there's yeah. no tuning issue. It is what it is. Yeah. yeah. That's Absolutely. awesome. So long story short, I was in Chicago playing a date. I invited him out. He came out. He offered me a deal the next day. It was wow. very cool. I was Man. very humbled by that, and Man. I've been with him ever since. Very cool. So when I got involved, it was early on in the drum-making phase and snare drums. Now they make throw-offs mm-hmm. and hi-hat yeah. stands. Yeah, and there are lots pedals, of copycat stuff out there. A lot of copycat sure. out there, for sure. So they've kind of become the industry standard in, in a lot of areas mm-hmm. because – they basically do one thing. They haven't oversaturated. Right. You know, where a lot of companies, they'll do a maple or a birch or a variation or right. a patch mm-hmm. or a, you know. Some bastardization kind of, water, yeah, of it. they kind of water down their own product. And it's yeah. like, okay, how do I know what's good at this point? Right. So I've been with them a long time. At this point, I'm kind of, you could call me a rep as well mm-hmm. as if you like. Because if you need something, you come to my studio. I'll show you everything they got. That's cool. Yeah, very cool. So they've been great. I mean, I had a snare drum. We had this conversation kind of off, uh, 
off mic about a, an old Orange County drum I got when Orange County was still, you know, cutting edge and it had a trick throw off on it. Right I, on. I will always remember this, this awesome. throw off. Mm-hmm. No, nothing has even come close to that. Sorry, other drum companies. Um, but the, uh, the thing that intrigues me most about the company is their, their drum pedals. Like, mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about why they're unique? Yeah. So the drum pedals, again, you know, being all aluminum, the, the, the biggest difference the way they use, so they use a, a compression spring mm-hmm. and without a pedal in front of you to show you what's going on. So the difference is most pedals, you got to push down on yep. the pedal right. for that expansion spring to expand, right. but you got to let go for it to recoil. Right. So with a compression spring and a ball bearing unit, the tension is the same going forward or back. So you never, the pedal plays itself, if you will. Wow. So you mm. don't. That's cool actually have to work as hard yeah so i will say it, it takes about two weeks for the subtle adjustment because mm-hmm. once you figure out that you don't have to work as hard mm-hmm. yeah because you know normally on any given pedal you really got to dig in yeah. and get those notes mm-hmm. out right so with a trick pedal it's so much smoother because it's coming back at you so you, you it's like you get to relax you're, you're, you're playing and the you pedal. immediately start pulling off more stuff than you right could have mm-hmm. Your, your brain can focus yeah. somewhere else. So you definitely yeah. have to come over and check that out. Dude, I, de- I definitely you gotta see that in real to. time. Those are Absolutely. cool. We'll have uh, links to all that stuff in there for Absolutely. Trick. And I, you guys, as listeners, definitely look into this company. Yeah. Check they, it out there. I've seen this stuff it. firsthand. Um, it's phenomenal. And, and, you know, the nice thing about the Trick products is, especially with the pedals and the throw-offs and the drums, you buy it once. Mm. You're not buying it again because you don't have to replace it. Right. Wow. You know, even like with an aluminum drum shell... If your roadie drops it, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not going to go out around. It's right. not going to crack. It's right. you know. So it's there are a lot of advantages as well to sounding amazing. Very good. absolutely. And, and and to kind of um, you know piggyback off that a little bit, you know we've talked about this in previous podcasts about when it's time to invest in quality gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get to a point to where you know that you need to invest in quality gear. To me, that's what you can tell a good piece of gear from not so good piece of gear because you're able to play the gear as opposed to the gear playing you. Yeah. True. Yeah. True. You know, and, and this holds uh, serve a lot in the guitar realm because a lot of times you'll get a guitar. It could be a $3,000 guitar, but it's not set up right. The strings yeah. are like six <laughs> right. inches from the fretboard. <laughs> and like you're, the guitar is playing you. Right. 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 You're not playing the guitar. So... To me, that is a uh, staple of good gears. When you get it in your hands or your feet or whatever, it's like, oh, wow, this is really easy to play. Absolutely. You know, so there's something to be said for um, that kind of quality and the ease of use. You know, it, it, it warrants you paying a little bit more for something because mm-hmm. it's worth it in the end. Absolutely. You make the initial investment and boom, you're done, right? You don't ever have to worry about that piece of gear ever. As because opposed. at the time, for example, I was a Yamaha guy, and I AB'd the two kits. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So I AB'd the trick so kit you got to a recording real, custom kit, right. which if I wasn't playing trick, mm-hmm. I would probably play Yamaha mm-hmm. again. Okay. However, once I AB'd them... There's no going back. I never touched that mm-hmm. Yamaha kit ever mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And conversely, now I have, you know, four kits and... Who knows how many snare drums Good and Lord. hi-hat stands and yes. hardware pedals and, yeah, yeah. yeah. the whole Just, nine. Yes, gotta, lions and tigers and bears. The wing of your house. But good gear absolutely makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and um, I think that there is 
um, it's not necessarily required for you to sound your best because uh, give an example there's a guitar player named Jack Pearson mm-hmm. he plays a Fender Squire guitar and makes it cry every time wow. a Fender Squire stock guitar that's correct mm. Squire mm. not a Mexi Strat not a Japanese Strat a Squire straight from Cambodia or Vietnam or it's wherever about they're... what you do with it exactly yeah. so however Good gear does help tremendously. Mm-hmm. That's that's my two cents. Agreed. Agreed. Well, speaking of gear, uh, one thing that we've skipped over that you know John and I we we caught ourselves. We said that we were going to do this every episode, and, <laughs> and we totally have and, not and since its, its its inception. We've only done it once, one time, but we're going to do it. Today. We're doing it right now. So yes. so our picks of the week, picks um, of the week. We da, 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 da. There's my segue music. I, I don't like know. Like I was really quiet because I'm going to sample that. We're going to use that. We're going to use it. Um, so let's start with our guest, Shannon, since we've Mr. got a Shannon guest here. Mr. Shannon Corey, yes. Um, Why what, don't we? Please. What's, your, what's your, your, your go-to thing that you want to... One I really like. I'll give you two quickly. Okay. I'm going to play two here. The Tempo app that mm-hmm. you can use on your phone or your mm-hmm. laptop mm-hmm. Is, is invaluable for mm-hmm. drummers because if you need a quick reference right. or even if you need to do actual set lists within the in the oh, program. you can save set lists. And you can wow. create set lists and have wow. your tempos laid out. Very cool. So the tempo app, I highly mm-hmm. recommend. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll in, put links in the, in, in, yeah. in the show notes. You guys will see links yeah, for all this. It'll just link you right to you. Yeah. So don't don't yeah. fret. We will, we will get you connected. And yeah. then the other one I would recommend is it's called Live BPM. Mm-hmm. And basically it's an app where you basically play any tune off your iTunes or whatever your music source is. Mm-hmm. And it'll automatically tell you what the tempo is. So if oh, you're charting out a bunch of songs right. and you're in a right. hurry, yep. it just kind of helps the process along a little quicker. Workflow. Yeah. I love Beautiful. that. What about love you, John? What, what's your... uh, well, for me, um, it is quite simple, uh, quite elegant. Um, it is the MXR Tap Tempo Switch. More nice. tempo. Yeah, more tempo, right? <laughs> it's a theme. Um, it's a... Um, it's, gosh, it's probably about the size of a, a ring... A jewelry box, mm. you know, square, mm-hmm. small, mm-hmm. but um, it's literally all it is is a small square box with a switch, and it's designed for you to run uh, as as uh, an extension for tap tempos, for delays, um, anything controlling tempo with effects pedals, multi effects. Um, you can use it as a momentary switch to turn on and off something. Mm. Um, the cool thing about the, even though it's very tiny, is it's got dip switches on the inside that will adjust polarity for you. Oh, wow. Oh, so that's cool. you depending can, on what you're using it with. Exactly. That's so, genius. Um, <clears throat> 40 bucks. Man. The switch on it is super, super nice. Um, it's not some cheap little clicky. I mean, it is one of those plunger style switches, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Quality. Genius Quality. item. How about yeah. you, brother? Well, so for a while... Um, I've decided to beat my body up and carry heavy hardware. I'm sure you can relate Ooh, to this. Yes. Gig on gig on gig, and John knows the story. Like uh, my hardware case is an evolving. Oh, it's insane. It's so mm-hmm. so so heavy. So um, new new round of, of gigs. 2019. I talked to my wife about this yesterday, and this this gig lined up with John to play tonight. And I mentioned to her, I was like, I really want to get some lighter hardware. You know, start with lighter hardware. So, you know. One thing led to another, and yesterday I went and purchased the the new Yamaha HW3 Crosstown hardware. So nice. you guys don't know, oh, yes. this is the aluminum hardware. They use like channel, um, channel. The legs have like channels in them, right? And so they'll use 
still where they have to. So like things like tightening, um, you know, adjusting like heights up and down, like they're not going to be aluminum there. So you'd right. have to worry about possibly a wing nut stripping out or something like that. But, um, as of right now, the only way to get them is to buy them as a whole kit. Gotcha. So, uh, the kit was, was incredible you know, mm. to speak to the lightness of it. Right. It comes with a bag. Mm-hmm. You put the hi-hat stand, the snare stand, and it comes with two straight stands. All the stands plus the bag weigh 17 pounds. That's Sign amazing. me up. Yeah, right. I mean, so each stand is coming out to be roughly three to four pounds a piece, and it's just disgusting. So yeah. tonight is the maiden voyage for the hardware, and I'm right. really excited. Especially yeah. when you load out the end of yeah. the night, like, oh, oh this isn't God. so bad. Yeah, it isn't bad at all. Let's do yeah, it again. You know, and, and <laughs> then you're going to be like, why is my bass drum yeah, so heavy? So heavy. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> well, and that's something that, you know, um, I think we've all discussed together separately is as we've gotten older and a little more seasoned, um, you really start to take inventory of, do I really need this? Right. Is this something, is this for me? Yeah. Or is this for the greater good of what I'm doing in this band setting? Right. And I think us drummers too, I know for me, I, I care sometimes or did care a lot about what things looked like. Right. You know Aesthetic. What I mean? like, yeah, totally. I want the Absolutely. boom stands yeah. or the rack. Yeah. You know what gotcha. I mean? These things sure. look cool, right? Yeah. But when you got to carry that stuff around and a lot of times it's so busy, everybody's mm. loading out their own gear. Mm-hmm. When it's on you to carry that stuff out, the look starts to diminish pretty quickly. Yeah, it, sure. it, it really sure. does. It's, it's, it's so... Um, Overrated, yeah. You know the 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 uh, the amount of gear that I see at a lot of these gigs, um, especially local gigs. Guitar players are notoriously guilty of this, it, and I was I'm guilty as charged. Chris is can attest to some of the bastardizations of rigs <laughs> I've brought out to to places four four twelve four four twelve cabinets in, in a, on the right side yeah on, on in, a, in, a, in a 80 80 capacity <clears throat> venue 80 people capacity yeah um you know i just think that you know um being efficient um will help your overall playing yep. when you're not you know having gear you know that works right know that sounds good right um, is going to help you play better. It's going to help. Um, you, you don't have to think about stuff as much. Take the amount of gear you need to be you. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. I think that that's um, a lot of people need to keep that in mind, um, you know, especially if you're aspiring to get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. It's not the quality of gear, how much gear you have. It's, Mm -hmm. can you play the conviction, the conviction of your playing. Mm -hmm. And if you focus on that, as opposed to the gear, you're going to, it's going to be more beneficial. Rise above. Yeah. Rise above, bro. Rise above, bro. I love that. I feel like that puts a, that puts a little bow right on. Yeah, it it does. And and so just to recap for myself, you know, and I think we kind of came to this conclusion with miles. Um, nothing can replace, being amongst your peers and being on the bandstand. Yep. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Yep. You know, being in that environment um, is going to unlock more doors than a professor or a book will. Or shedding. Or shedding right. light on, 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 on certain uh, yep. topics or issues more mm-hmm. so than a than curriculum at school will. Mm-hmm. You know, it did for me. I mean, I, obviously... Um, I wouldn't have garnered the theory knowledge that I know, which is, it's a super important thing. Absolutely. But <clears throat> it's not the most important thing. No, they're know? building blocks to get you so you can play with people. Right. You know, so 
go out, don't say no to a gig, right? Network. Mm-hmm. Network. Network, yeah. And try to be around people that are better yeah. than you. Surround yourself with people. And that try to be the most prepared you. guy in the room. Yeah, it, yeah, totally. And, that, and that's something that we've talked about in previous podcast episodes mm-hmm. is when you're prepared, controlling what you can control on a gig. And one is being on time and being prepared. Those two things. Yes. And a side note, kids, being on time means being, be there early. Be there early. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Shannon, don't you get us started. Drop we're, the mic. Drop the mic. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, we're out. We're done. <laughs> Signing off. Oh. But, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's ultimately, you know, at the end of the day, the, I think the most important points that we can hammer home for you guys is to, you know, um, keep those things in mind and you'll be good to go. Well, that, that wraps things up, John. Um, first of all, I want to thank Shannon. Yes, for, for Shannon, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Uh, Very uh, insightful information. Yes, I think we touched on some, some stuff that we uh, maybe missed with Miles mm-hmm. or, you know, maybe in addition to. In addition to, yeah. Um, but, yeah, good good content. Thanks for, for imparting your wisdom, wisdom for upon our podcasting yep. uh, brethren yeah, uh, and our working musicians out there. Yep. Um, Shannon, where can we check you out? Where can we find you on the internet? Web. So you can check me out at Facebook mm-hmm. and also at Twitter. Twitter, right? just at What's Shannon your, Corey. At Shannon Corey. Yeah. On both. On both. Do you have a website? I don't currently. That, that's fine. Okay. I'll. Uh, I have those in the link for you guys to uh, that as revamping. We speak, so awesome. It's it's all, it's trying to keep up with technology, yeah. right? Yes, for sure. I'll have those in the links for you guys so you can check out Shannon. And uh, I think that's going to wrap it up, John. Yes. Uh, Happy New Year. Uh, we got some big things planned for our little podcast coming up this year. We've got some. Uh, more interviews we're going to be doing we're going to be doing some um, Mm on-site recording um, and try and interview some uh, some uh, big uh, heavy hitting artists Uh, we're trying to line up see if we can't uh, get them on our little podcast here to um, uh, spread to the masses yeah so we appreciate uh, you guys and uh, we're going to get out of here for this week we out